have no joyful voice behind Look up at the sky with hope. And let this day be cast by we who ready to wait. The Kraken! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another special edition of Nick's Nonfiction. This is an epic edition. You're here with your host, comic Nick Muniz. Today we are reading... Thomas Hobbes, his magnum opus, written in the middle of the Enlightenment and the British Civil War in the 1600s. This one is Leviathan, no other than one of the most polished praxeological jewels of all time in all of philosophy. If you've taken a Phil 101 class, you will know the Hobbesian view of the world is how we are all just animals. We're all reaching for power, going for our own best interest, and he's going to build in 10 quick books today how even language, when not used correctly, will facilitate the rise of a leviathan. Arg, lurking out in the waters, be a monster more vile than any scallywag can imagine. <laughs> it, uh, it thirsts for loot greater than any one buccaneer has ever seen. Legend has it a leviathan can take down 50 cannon ships in one foul swoop. And every 200 years, she resurfaces as the centralized government. Ah! That is right, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to be really getting into the, into the mind of Thomas Hobbes today. He is the one who blew the lid on the social contract theory. With the monarchs and the church, they're going, you have original sin, you owe us a tithe, you owe us a third of your money, the fruits of your labor of your life forever because you were born. And then Thomas Hobbes is like, hold up, we have uh, monarchies and at least we have a parliament now, but how come all of us are now paying a social contract? We're just born into this thing again where we lose a lot of our worth. We're really going to be defining it better than that today. This is all for the intro, but think about it. In America, the land of the free, the home of the brave, you are no longer allowed to homestead land for free anymore in the home of the brave. Like, you can't just move up to Alaska. You can't even go to Montana anymore. That was one of the best in the continental U.S. And just homestead the land. Tell the government you're taking this bit and you're going to live off of it. Produce something. Pay taxes eventually. That is not an option. Obviously, if you're a homeowner, anybody working towards that knows you never really own the house. You pay off your mortgage, then you're paying property taxes. We live on water world. It's 72% water. And, uh, you know, if you want to live on land, you got to pay the price, though. Honestly, your best bet to find real estate is probably in Atlantis right now. Whether it be the heretic tax or, you know, the god tax 500 years ago, we're going to draw the similarities today about how that goes into our blind religion toward the state and the property taxes we pay. You get taxed at the store. You get taxed when you sell the thing you get taxed when you die in estate tax it's all going up to the top of the pyramid our pyramid scheme of government bureaucracies this is not just towards america and our impending election of doom we're going to be going over all rises and falls of empires today as this was written 400 years ago thomas hobbes he is the gatekeeper of logical fallacies he makes his sound argument by book three the book of truth these are really epically named you guys are going to see what he's all about today. It was a world of Victorianism where, you know, nature is the only truth. Nature's not going to lie to you. It'll kill you during a storm. And this was to combat vitalism at the time, which was uh, giving shelter to snake oil salesmen back in the day. It's going to be a bit of a uh, tougher show. I'm taking it at a slower pace today as it is 
those people are ripping me apart because we're, you can't read a Thomas Hobbes book in under an hour and get every single detail. Would try to throw some laughs in. So as opposed to bullshitting about coyotes and the Department of Motor Vehicles, we're gonna be taking a step up today. Hope you heard that too. It is another 6 a.m. where we are out here. I'm sipping coffee this time. We might get a bit of a rush towards the end of the episode. And I am surveying the Rocky Mountain Range. Smog is down. It is a beautiful morning here. Let's get the author. About the author, Mr. Hobbs, from 1588 to 1679, he was having bangers and mash. He was an English philosopher, first to question the social contract. As a kid, he was always saying, I used to remember all of the townsmen, the fishermen in our town would disappear for moments at a time. And he said these were periods of war that the Englishmen loved to get involved in. They were going to the Spanish Armada, and a lot of them were just becoming pirates. It's going to be a boot-licking show today there. (laughs) We're going to have a lot of pirate references. Get your peg legs on. Thomas Hobbes was chilling on the Isle of Jersey when that civil war was going down from 42 to 1651. He published this book, Leviathan, during the last year of the war. He was hiding out in the Isle of Jersey. He was dodging the draft, as us Jersey boys do. He was actually teaching math out there. Hobbes also says he's well-versed in history, jurisprudence, geometry, the physics of the gases. Let's see if Hobbes could dissect the organic chemistry of that fart I just laid. Theology, ethics, and general philosophy. More than general, man. You're one of the best to ever do it. This was considered, again, the time of the Enlightenment. The Magna Carta had just been written. This is where most of our founding fathers got their ideas. It's a 600-page paper aimed at the few people who were able to read back at that time. But it was all about decoding the Bible. A lot of ancient books talking about power structures. You guys know in the Bible it says you're not allowed to charge interest. And obviously this is the debtor's prison of America, what our entire economy is based on, is really breaks down in 10 books from the motivations of man all the way up to how then we would run a government with our corrupt motivations. Now, Thomas Hobbes, he doesn't have a heroic end to his story, quite the opposite, actually. He was making uh, friends high up in France and all over the English Parliament eventually, so he's running in these high circles. He got called in by the big dogs. Charles II thanked Hobbes for his writings and granted him a pension of £100 a week for the rest of his life. He's like, you make some really good essays here, Hobbes. You're going to write for us. The only consequences is that you're not allowed to publish anything after this book, Leviathan, anymore. Thomas Hobbes, he sacrificed for this bestseller. This has some real fucking truth in it that you're not going to read in a indoctrination history book. He really put it on the line with this one, and the British crown was like, we are one step away from just killing you, Thomas. Take your 100 pounds a week, go live on Jersey, and leave all of the dumb uh, Englishmen alone. Don't try to provoke their thoughts. Let them do the work for us. Hobbes, he took the hush money at the end of the day. Could have had far more revolutionary works within him, I bet. Can't blame him. This uh, book helped birth the United States of America. It is one of the pieces the Founding Fathers claim to cite often. And if you hear me shaking around here, I'm sorry, just getting comfortable for... We're going to dig in. You guys know I could talk about this libertarian shit all day. I'm thinking an hour and a half show today. Let's get through these ten books. The first three, again, are going to really build are really going to show us the drives of man, and then we're going to build on that, how our little tribes would turn into the biggest governments on earth. Book one, The Book of Man. 
Hobbes starts us off with what he calls the mechanics of the human mind. And knowledge, gotta have knowledge to do just about anything here. Knowledge originates from external bodies pressing against our sensory apparatus. You know, you don't get the knowledge that the hot pocket is scalding hot until you put the molten cheese in your mouth for at least the second time in the package and then weeks thereafter. It's, uh, you don't know until, you don't know the pot is hot as a kid, it's boiling until you touch it. It's like an old adage, an idiot does the same thing and expects different results. Knowledge is learning from one's own mistakes, and then wisdom is learning from the mistakes of others. Let's just put the numbers out there before we get the weeds today. 30% of people have very low, near-retarded IQs, maybe more in America, 68% are middle of the curve, and 2% are very high. This is going to fall into how all of these factions are made, the producing classes today. This is very much like the 1600s version of Plato's Republic, which was the allegory of the cave, the philosopher king, which we touch on today. This is the Enlightenment version. Hobbes says to imagine our reality as a plenum full of matter and it's only when we bump into another thing that that matter or knowledge can transfer again with the hot pot it's uh you've heard physicists call it the sticky universe so scientific right sticky universe who the fuck makes this shit up uh we're getting drops for 2021 i'm gonna have when i have my own theories the sticky universe theory that one's in textbooks we're gonna have all kinds of soundboards coming at you next year it's kind of like I've been reading uh, George Orwell, some of his nonfiction lately, Homage to Catalonia. George Orwell straight up left England and went to the Spanish Civil War for fun. He was like, I'm going to go uh, stand with the rebels, see what it's like on the front line. Where We'll have that book on the show to come as well. But that's how Orwell, Sticky Universe, getting knowledge from his senses, was able to really hammer home 1984 it's not supposed to be an instruction manual for our government but that's how they're using it orwell was only able to learn that all of these civil wars all of these revolutions are the exact same in every single country for the same reasons it's not left versus right it's one percent versus 99 percent all the time and the reason that Hobbes had to start so simple, sticky universe, our five senses, is to combat the rising idea of vacuism, which people at the time were thinking that the atmosphere is mostly empty. They didn't know what air was back then. <laughs> so I guess they were right when it comes to space on the grand scale, vacuism is right, but not in the term they were saying it. Hobbes said, elementary motions of the universe eventually transfer to the surface of the human body. It's all just like a big butterfly effect. We're the smallest domino. And we could send the chain back the other way. He thinks this is how your eyes, nose, ear, tongue, skin produce their brain signals. It's an in thing. The He doesn't see us projecting the reality from the inside out. So sense, then, is the action of external bodies colliding with sensitive organs. Vitalism, again, a big idea, was saying people thought that fire was matter at the time. These are like the firebender, earthbender, airbender. That was everybody in foggy London town, 1600s, train going by. Can we maybe bend this smog off of the city? Obviously, these vitalist people, they implemented Newton's laws of motion wrong. Hobbes was all about this because he was basically chilling with Newton, same time period. The guy who invented calculus, he took up law three. Objects in motion tend to stay in motion. 
Hobbes said ideas in motion stay in motion. So let's extrapolate it to today real quick. For the past eight months of 2020 on the news, all you hear is BLM, 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 COVID, BLM, BLM, COVID. It stays in our 24-hour news cycle. If you didn't repeat the idea and keep that object in motion, it wouldn't stay in motion. We're not in the vacuum of space here. We have short attention spans as people. So yes, these can be used against you, especially when you have uh, Harvard scientists figuring out how to do that in MK Ultra. The duration, shouldn't have brought that up in chapter one, <laughs> the duration of sensory motion becomes Hobbes' definition of imagination. So as long as you could keep kicking that ball of an idea along, this is your imagination. Someone who could sit for an hour doing nothing and just postulating one idea. That is the idea of imagination. You keep that idea in motion. So the only reason you can imagine a cookie from the past is because you remember how it smells. The more homemade cookies that you've had and the more times you've been to had one of those uh, cookie pizza pies, birthday cakes. What the fuck? Cookie cakes. <laughs> those are amazing. That's American as shit. That's a Leviathan of a cookie. The more of that uh, database that you have, the more you have to draw from, the more your vivid your imagination is going to be. Hobbes suggests that the persistence of a vision after the eyes have been closed indicates that the ocular sensory apparatus is still in motion. So Hobbes wasn't just making this shit up, writing it down once. He was watching people like a creep who would close their eyes and meditate. And he's like, why are their eyes moving right now? They are still troubleshooting an idea. Thomas Hobbes basically just decoded REM sleep. You know, you go into this uh, deep waves where you're not even conscious, but your eyes are jetting around. I had a dream I was Spider-Man the other day. I was jumping 30 feet high, swinging from buildings. My eyes were going wild. Thomas Hobbes would say my imagination was that of a crackhead. So as you have this, like the growing database is basically just coming to as a person. You have more to pull from. It's the difference between a dumb person and a naive person like a dumb person's just not learning not even trying to make sense of things and a naive person just doesn't have the database yet understanding the ability to organize knowledge leads to logical developments directed thought language upcoming next and then reason and science you've heard organized information is knowledge organized knowledge is wisdom so you got to have information to start all this bullshit. If you're lost already, Hobbes just geometrically triangulated where reason comes from. He's he's fucking killing it already. <laughs> the idea here for book one, he knows most people don't have an attention span. After five minutes, they're done with anything. He wanted to bring people back to rational thinking in the middle of a civil war, an English civil war. You know, we could really use this mathematical reboot as a country in America right now. Hobbes would lose most of uh, what are considered educated Americans after book one. Book two, the book of speech. Now that you have a little database, let's put it into something. Hobbes asserts speech was invented to put mental discourse into verbal discourse. So now we could discord together. You've heard of that app, Discord, one of the fastest growing live messaging apps for groups. That's the entire point of language. It's so that we can share our thoughts. Words register a train of thoughts by a given name to that thought. So I say Apple to you. You think uh, Macintosh tree, Steve Jobs, Apple pie, the big apple in Mets Shea Stadium that would pop out when a home run is hit. Word association, you know. 
Words register a train of thought so that a conclusion can be remembered without having to reconstruct the train. It's like a formula for a math equation. You simplify things with language. That's the point of language. It's not supposed to complicate things. Hear that, English teachers? Language, <clears throat> language excuse me, opens up this mental discourse of reason to be had between two people. So for all we know, animals may have a reasoning ability. They may have a theory of mind but they still can't communicate with each other and build on these theories. So they're only going to live and die with the theories. They can't write it down for the next genius to pick up the paper and try to make a cell phone. Hobbes, he said, there are four uses for speech and then four misuses, which are more important. The four uses are to record knowledge gained of things and pass it on, which leads to the acquisition of art, he said. Number two, to communicate this knowledge to others, which is counseling or teaching. Three, the third use of language, to communicate intentions and desires to others and elicit their help, which is still the problem with language that we have today. Until we have an Elon Musk Neuralink where I could beam my thoughts to you, our thoughts put into words is a very messy process and we are not able to articulate our feelings to the exact uh, degree that they are at the moment. It's the tough part about language. We're always getting better, or not exactly in America. Fourth, used to entertain ourselves. This show is a proper use of language. I'm happy I have your approval, Mr. Hobbs. And now for the misuses of language, the book of speech. Number one, inconstant signification. This is like the careless use of words, letting them shift in meaning over time. You know, kind of like how we don't have a true word for racist anymore because the media has thrown it around so much to the point where it doesn't mean anything anymore. Actually, when I hear someone being called a racist, I look at the person making the accusation as the crazy. That's how far it's gone. And that's just me. I know not everybody's trying to jump ahead, cut corners in their mind like that all the time. I know it's a logical fallacy, but when you misuse words, they lose their power. <laughs> we'll bleep that. Two, metaphorical language is an improper use, which is like using certain words to mean something else in order to deceive. Example would be you got someone in the group who doesn't understand sarcasm, so everybody's just dunking on them the entire day. They don't know what's going on. That's a misuse of language. And three, lies, fake advertising, puffery. I mean, we're just still doing that shit. It's uh, leading to a higher Leviathan. It's like a pyramid you know one guy scams one guy the next guy has to scam bigger and then the scams get bigger and bigger until you have a country of 300 million people <laughs> that's lies and fake advertising fourth misuse of language was used to injure other people so hate speech again all of this is built into the first amendment of our constitution and it doesn't protect hate speech you know the civil supreme court pretty valid issue at the moment and, I mean, in America, everything's pretty much set. You're allowed to be spied on. You could be jailed for saying no-no words at this point. The only thing the Supreme Court is for uh, Roe versus Wade at this moment, abortion. <laughs> Which, again, no consistency on the right wing. If your uh, senator isn't allowed to touch your gun cabinet, why is your senator allowed to touch your wife's vagina? How about you pick a logical consistency? You're a libertarian underneath it all, you conservative. Hobbes knew that. He was chilling with Robert Anton Wilson. He knew about reality tunnels. All of us perceive the language differently, which is why it's so critical 
that we use language for its intended use and don't let it stray. It's a tool. It's not me just fucking spitting into a microphone. I'm trying to spread truth like a wildfire right now. And number four, entertain. And um, number five of Hobbes' list of use of language, get monetized on YouTube. Hobbes says speech is used to connect the world of subjects and their connections to one another. You can't have truth without language. It's like music is the math of sound and space. You're just making beautiful sounds and measuring it until it's the perfect noise. So language would be the measurement of face noises into space. It's measuring your ideas and putting them into a discord. So that would make... Hobbes is all about this geometry. He's, he's like an ancient Greek. Definitions are the measurements of angles in the geometry of speech. So remember when you were doing a postulates, proofs in geometry as a kid, you'd have the side angle side, the ass theorem, angle side side theorem. Definitions are the measurement of an angle of its geometry in space. So if we aren't using the same definition for a word, we will never be able to functionally communicate. So here's a hot take for you. It is the opposite of bigoted to tell people come to your country that they have to use your language. You know, it leads to discourse when we can't even communicate with one another. You have ice camps now where we are uh, sterilizing young immigrant women. Like, it gets worse. It would be easier if, like, the European immigrants who learn our language and have something to contribute when they come over... At least you're able to tell your fucking ice guard that you're not pregnant and you don't need an abortion, you know. Hobbes thinks when all of these do's and don'ts of language line up, this is when science and philosophy can form. Think of a racially pure Germany. Yes, yes, the best engineering and even bitter communication. Think of uh, Nazi Germany, man, the Third Reich. <laughs> they were all speaking, the, they all looked the same, spoke the same language. And they made rockets that were able to go into space intercontinentally before anybody else. Potentially, they have a uh, base on the dark side of the moon. The Nazis, fact, tunneled underneath Antarctica. They have submarine bases, maybe still there. And that's all because they were speaking the same damn language. Test it yourself, you know. Talk to your rational friend, someone who uh, only uses language for its intended purpose. The two of you will only produce true assertions. And then you talk to uh, your cokehead friend and all you guys talk about is making imaginary business. Or, you know, talk to your lefty friend about how their uh, utopia is on its way. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not truths. When you're talking to another rational person, a shared language and understanding emits truth. Better example, and a very pertinent one today... In the 1970s, one out of ten college females reported sexual misconduct. And sexual misconduct, take that for what you want. Now, one-third of girls who go to college in the tw 21st century rep report having been raped. One out of three girls. If that stat was true... College would have closed before the virus. You know, when guys' uh, dads go to drop their daughters off at college, it's supposed to be this symbolic day. You go to relive some of your old memories. He would have a handgun pointed at every fucking 18-year-old boy going around the campus. One out of three of you is a rapist. You know, if that was true, college would be gone a long time ago. Me, you, and someone else have to have the same definition of sexual misconduct 
and rape in order to have an intelligent discussion. Otherwise, you're just going off of emotion. We'll learn in later books, human emotion is usually self-beneficial. It's not rational. And uh, that's where our academia is. The ivory tower is in an emotional state. You are, like me right now, my professors, think about that shit. My professors right now would say, I am mansplaining, or I am a white-splaining, I'm reading a fucking enlightenment book from Thomas Hobbes. <laughs> you know, man? That's a, you feel like you were oppressed more, so now you have to take it out on me. That's a feelings thing. It's not a rationality thing. And that's where we are at this point. That's only book two of Leviathan. And those are our education systems. <laughs> it's like chapter one. Words are interpreted by your senses. So how you've perceived the world thus far is how you're going to perceive those words. And, again, it's people not knowing their own biases that destroy the language for everyone. Think about it. These, uh, the people that tell you to use the man-spreading this new fucking lingo that has zero credibility in a real man's mind, <laughs> the people that are enforcing those words are aggressing on you. They are changing your common property, which is the English language. Merriam-Webster should be able to sue the fuck out of this social justice warrior. I did see, though, mansplaining is in the dictionary now. So these things are fluid. It can change with time. Uh, the second... What does that even fucking mean, dude? Sometimes my balls stick to my leg on a hot day. They are now a mansplaining about manspreading. Put me in internment camp. <laughs> you see how language could be turned into cultural Marxism within 10 years of digital media? That's the book of speech. I'm going to take it to number three. The book of voluntary motion. This piggybacks on his transfer of motion, those Newtonian physics. You got to choose to keep your body in motion. It's all a battle of biological pulls. Hobbes says animals will use this motion in one of two ways, vital or voluntary. It's only 24 hours a day. Are you working or are you chilling at that moment? So vital would include the flow of your blood, breathing, digestion, excretion. Voluntary, he considers communication even. So the causal factors precipitate voluntary motions, the motions that eventually progress into directed actions. He's making it clear how you can work to your maximum bandwidth. In that 24 hours, you can sacrifice more of your vital motion for voluntary motion. And measured work is always better. He talked about causal motions, which is the in-between. When you don't know if you're going to do something or not, this is where thoughts and imagination once again take over. You think you control your thoughts, but the more you meditate and just sit around, you see that being a human includes constant intrusive thoughts. Hobbes says, direct quote, these small beginnings of motion within the body of man before they appear in walking, speaking, striking, and other visible actions are commonly called endeavor. Endeavor is responsible for your appetite, your desires, your aversions, the things that you avoid. It's the sum whole of your passing thoughts. So he's saying, like, uh, if you do meditation, they tell you to think, to look at your thoughts as digestion. It's just like a natural process of your body. You could choose to entertain that thought, imagination, or you could choose to let it die off. And he's going, the sum whole of all of these subconscious thoughts happening 
are your endeavor. It is all leading to whatever you want to accomplish or just do here. Some people's endeavor is to build a fucking 200-foot-tall statue of themselves. Some people's endeavor is to eat chips and watch Netflix. It's not a bad thing. It's just humanity. We have vastly different experiences here on this planet. If you see thinking, remember Inception, the movie Inception. Don't want to confuse you too much, but the definition of Inception was you go into somebody's mind during a dream and implant an idea so they think they had that idea by themselves that's like the endeavor thomas hobbs invented the script for christopher nolan <laughs> he's um saying that all of again your subconscious thoughts do have some sort of end goal that they're working to and again end goal can be as simple as moving from this couch to the other it's just that he's battling the determinism which is, again, part of the vitalism at the time. Everyone's saying, God birthed you to do this thing. You're going to do exactly as he said. If you commit a crime, it's because you're one of Satan's demons. And Hobbes is going, we have some deliberation as people. It's probably the only thing we have compared to other animals. And that is the space between. It's the voluntary motion. He admits some men are born with appetites larger than others. And this is what he calls ambition. So there we are. Now we have a word for it. Ambition is the fact that... I want to climb a mountain rather than just uh, binge-watching a TV show. And he brought up the word kinetics, and the endeavor usually feeds into some people's ambition and vice versa, and it becomes a rolling ball that picks up motion. Kinetics, you know, the fucking Black Panther rip Chadwick Boseman. His uh, special power was kinetic energy if someone hit him with a fucking hammer square in the middle of the chest he could shoot that power back at them which is a pretty cool thing for the black community like uh they use the civil rights movements as power what's that new movie about uh malcolm x coming out i was almost crying in the theater at that one it's definitely going to radicalize some young people it's the power of cinema <laughs> yeah definitely sowing division that's kinetics and the motion of the universe. Thomas Hobbes would have loved to see Black Panther. <laughs> now uh, Hobbes and Bozeman are chilling up in heaven together talking about the American Leviathan. Slipped into a little pseudoscience about the kinetics and uh, the motion of elements. He's got it back into the five senses. The chapter was about voluntary motion. We got over the point. You are in a state between your biological poles. Do I want cake or do I want to be actualized and make myself better today? being able to do another push-up than yesterday. He said deliberation is purely subjective to the person deliberating and therefore cannot be considered a science. He basically just said philosophy is not a science because it's just deliberation. My point of view is going to be different than yours. That's what Nietzsche was saying. Nietzsche put it on blast. He's like, be careful when you're reading philosophers because they are just putting down their own thoughts. This is not the truth of the world. But you should know this going into a Phil 101 class again or this show. But the fact that a deliberation can only happen between one person, it's like no true empathy. You can't really feel what someone else is feeling. And that's why, you know, the science of dating will never work out. I cannot deliberate for you. I don't know what you're deepest darkest kinks are we need a uh, what was his name cupid to get his ass off mount olympus make us a divine dating app algorithm hobbs said deliberation can produce trustworthy results but not a replicable phenomena so we can come up with a when a 
loud noise goes off, the two of us both jump. We don't have the same exact jump. It's not scientific, but it is a replicable, replicable phenomena. It's replicatable. Trustworthy results are more so scientific. That's when you get a formula. And all this leads to natural wit versus acquired wit. So again, with the ambition and the endeavor, some people are born with the natural wit, some people without, and it snowballs from there. Hobbes said straight up, dullness, like dull people, are usually accompanied by a high level of giddiness and distraction. Whether you are born witty or born giddy, acquired wit is the reason that we develop through the proper use of speech, and it leads to science. It doesn't even matter if you're born with a 20 IQ, as long as you correctly use speech and science, you are going to get smarter. Rather than, you get, you know, if you hang out with, like, um, like someone who like, instead of using it as a descriptor, they're like using it like as like a like conjunction. It rubs off on you. Or if you're hanging out with someone who's deadly boring, you feel like it is fucking rubbing onto your soul you are getting infected with this person (laughs) is what Hobbes is saying if you're communicating wrong if you're using those four misuses of language you can get stupider (laughs) so voluntary action is based on the sum whole of parts it is an individual self-interested basis almost always to acquire power which our next book examines You know, people wouldn't do something that's not self-interested unless they are part of that 30% or they're a fully actualized guru just here to spread love and enlightenment. (laughs) Not likely. Book four, the book of power. Natural power derives from the faculties of the body or mind such as strength, wit, and arts. Instrumental power derives from acquired faculties such as riches, friends, and reputation. So he calls the combined amount of power within an individual their worth. Worth is how much power you have. And it can be greatened. Your worth is not stagnant. It's a popular philosopher idea. The worth of a man is determined by how much truth he could tolerate. So again, the more you use language properly, read philosophy, do science, the more truth you'll be able to swallow. Money obviously has a substantial amount of power because that's how much worth we attribute to it. You ever seen, like, the Rick and Morty episode where Morty's all like, how are you going to destroy this population? They're truly evil. They imprison their own people. Are you going to drop a nuclear bomb? Are you going to put acid in the water supply? How are you going to destroy them? And then Rick is like, simple. All we have to do is change one digit. And he changes at the Federal Reserve the amount of $1 to the worth of zero. Everybody goes crazy. There's BLM riots in the streets. People are looting and shooting. Literally, all you have to do is decide the worth. Worth is power. And what we attribute to the dollar is the worth and the power that it has over us. He says the publicly recognized worth of an individual is dignity or worthiness. So worth, worthiness, honor, dignity, all of these are permutations of power. Power is at the root. None of these concepts would have a need to coexist in a world absent of hierarchies. You know, Superman is useless in a world without crime. (laughs) Even in monkeys foraging tribes... There's always a hierarchy. There's a shaman, there's a town crier, a jokester, there's a fucking town whore, the town bicycle everybody's riding. 
there are always going to be these hierarchies. So as long as we are human and we act like we do, it is going to be a struggle to acquire power within them. Hobbes direct quote, I put for a general inclination of all mankind a perpetual and restless desire for power after power that desires ceaseth only in death. Ceaseth. Ceaseth immediately. Power is life or death. When you come in, if you're like, I could live my whole life without any power, and you're only concerned with money, well, I'll tell you you're concerned with power. Nobody would disagree with this point. 40 million Americans in uh, are out of work at the moment in L.A., they had a year worth of suicides within the first three months of the lockdown. It's because these people don't have the ability to acquire their means. They have zero power, and that leads to suicide. You see, we don't even live without power as people. <laughs> Fear of each other's power is the engine to the power struggles inherent to human appetite. So it's like osmosis. It's uh, like you watch an ant colony. We all have these. Everybody has an inherent thing we're moving towards that we don't even know what we're doing. The younger guys coming up. <laughs> some other kid. Uh, Nate's nonfiction eventually is going to keep me on my toes. You want to be able to maintain that power. And it's just a natural process that keeps going. You know, so many girls, people... Women will say, well, sexual selection is what breeds power. Women get to decide to mate with the strong men. Well, let me tell you something, bitch. <laughs> you are mating with the psychopaths, first of all. And in like a Lord of the Flies island where there is only men, and asexual species proves this enough, asexual species exist, but if there was an island with only men, we would still be struggling for power. We'd be like, who's the head fucking dude? <laughs> and then after that, rather than squabbling over girls, we would be getting jacked, feeding each other grapes, making giant monuments. <laughs> but what would my husband do without me? It's not sexual selection or any of that that drives the evolution of man. It's power. I just watched 2001 A Space Odyssey when the first monolith comes to the monkeys when they learn how to use tools the first thing they use the tools to do is to kill each other <laughs> and then we use the tools to get into space and leave each other osmosis baby it's what's pushing us along these power negotiations between fear and the goal of achieving something are what hobbes called manners People who acquire power without manners are looked at as rebels, but it still tricks your mind into thinking this person is worthy of power. Once you have the power, people respect it. It doesn't matter how you got it. It's the whole acting like your shit doesn't stink. Fake it till you make it. Whatever. Donald Trump got a small loan of a million dollars, and he's a crime boss. It doesn't fucking matter how he got to the presidency. People respect his power now. Even on my small scale on the internet... When I beef with people in comment sections, I get more subscribers. You don't need manners to acquire power. It's almost the exact opposite. <laughs> the difference in manners arise when people with separate knowledges try to negotiate. It's, again, using different languages to triangulate one trading point. Hobbes said, knowing neither the cause of power nor fear, men relied on custom, the authority of others, and religion to achieve peace. So this is a really big point in the middle of the book by Hobbes. It's why he wasn't allowed to write anymore. He's saying now that we have science and we have these trading ports, we don't need monarchies. Who? What are we doing the taxes for? This archaic power structure? Peace is in the trade. Ancient quote where goods don't cross borders, bullets will. As long as you're trading with someone, there's nothing that you're going to be holding against. 
think about it in modern earth governments are referred to as power structures and what are we learning about the upward momentum of power who eventually seizes all of it so it is absorbing your motion your kinetic energy that maybe that is what the black uh, panther was about the black community had all of their kinetic energy absorbed and now they're in the gutter in the ghettos like all the italians irishmen's came and had to do themselves you get your fucking <laughs> power stolen and this is when Hobbes really, really went deep on his Hobbesian shit. He was talking about the concept of human nature. It's a sum total of our mechanic appetites. We are all just mediated by these power struggles. I'll kill you for an extra piece of fish. I'm not sure I totally believe in this. I've uh, read Civilized to Death lately. It really is about the anthropological history of bonobos, chimps, and our lineage, how we are not really fighting with one another. Here's a story. I've read about these tribes. You go up into the Pacific Northwests and along one of the state highways, this guy wrote about, you go a half a day's hike off of the nearest highway. It takes you at least 12 hours to get there. And there are bands of 200 people and they just travel up and down this uh, place along the highway where no one can ever see them. It's not like these little tribes of people are warring with anybody. You know, war is a racket. We don't really know how much that's true. You know, critics hated this part of the book. I will admit, when it comes to a last-minute resort, so when uh, you really are in a war zone, you're going to step on your buddy's head to get out of the bunker if there's a grenade in there. <laughs> we are crabs at the bottom of a bucket as a species, stepping on each other, pinching each other just to get a little better position. I don't know, man. I'm in between on this one. Critics hated this part of the book. They're going... You know, I've seen uh, March of the Penguins. They all work together. They walk in a straight line. <laughs> Same thing when the fucking sea lion comes around. They're pushing each other into the water, swimming for themselves. You know, penguins, they steal eggs from each other. So even the fluffiest bird on earth that can't even fly and get away from each other still cannot learn to get along. It's the kinetics of power. Even in the penguin community, when it gets big enough, a thief can start leeching smaller amounts of power. That's where the Batman villain, the Penguin, got his name. Instrumental power. Book five, the book of love. He started by asserting that there is such inalienable truths, such as the laws of nature. He spent a little too much time in the woods, but he's right. Nothing's going to lie to you in the woods. You live or you die. It's unlike a civil law, which must be written down and publicized for everybody to know. A law of nature is inherently known and natural. Me versus bear, I lose. Me versus bear with flamethrower, it is now my territory. I own the salmon. The first law of nature is that every man ought to endeavor peace as far as he can hope to obtain it. Second law of nature is self-defense. Humans are not apex predators. Being alone used to mean death. You had to use your language to live. See, that already goes against his own argument that we all just fucking hate each other. I agree that we are all perverted and we absolute power corrupts absolutely. Would have been a better thesis for book four. He has like five of these points about nature and all of it goes to or skip ahead a little bit. Law seven, punishment should be used only to correct the offender and to protect the contract for gratuitous retribution. It shouldn't be an eye for an eye. Number eight, people must avoid making signs of hatred or contempt towards other there are literally 20 of these laws, and he's trying to show geometrically how at a pyramid base with levels, society can be structured with these rules 
without a prime minister. You don't need a pharaoh, a czar, a president to enforce any of these rules. If the only thing stopping you from killing somebody is some guy with a badge, you are an absolute piece of shit. I wish you would be bought to the forefront of all of our consciousness so that we could put you in a stockade. If fucking civilization is the only thing from stopping you from taking someone's life, you should be ostracized. So all of these natural laws from 1 to 20, number 3, it is not simple enough to make contracts. You have to keep your contracts. All of these lead to his final law. Do not that into another what thou wouldn't have done to thyself. Does anybody remember this from your principal's desk? Fucking Thomas Hobbes invented the golden rule. This guy needs to go down to history for that alone. He's better than Bill Gates. I'd consider this the human moral compass. You know, all of us have it within us. It's not like you have to be taught the golden rule. When you hit someone, you feel bad. It's necessary for humans, again, surviving in nature. If you couldn't get along, you would be ostracized and be eaten by a cheetah. He ended with two types of people. A natural person is one whose words are his or her own, and an artificial person is one whose words are those of someone else's. So this is like the fucking Dostoevsky parroting idea. The parrots were the people who only repeated the ideas of the government, Karen. Hobbes is saying the same thing, artificial versus natural. What are you repeating? He came up with the idea for NPC people. But his point is this contract, if everybody really was out for each other's best interest, following the golden rule, then contracts would be a representation of these natural people, encompassing their joint identities to achieve something better for everybody. All of this, it turns into just contract negotiations, which is basically what a relationship is. You know, I I have to take you out two times a week so that we have the title of boyfriend-girlfriend and I can have the human need of sex. It is constant negotiations. Okay, now I have to sign a contract with the government with you so that I have to give you kids and then half my stuff if we get divorced. We'll get into marriage a little bit later and Leviathan getting his tentacles into that <laughs> not to ruin love for anybody all those laws of nature are in accordance with a theory of love it's a solid foundation just like uh the golden rule in a relationship if you're not given you're not gonna get quid pro quo this point his philosophy moves from its early ideas of kinetics and human nature into a controlled science of civilization we are absolutely in the weeds book six social contract we're reaching a peak here there's many peaks i'm looking at a mountain range this is one of the better chapters the natural human hunger for power always threatens the safety of the contract hobbes is going there must be some common power some sovereign authority to force people to uphold a contract otherwise why would you follow this you know even in the wild west people made deals and contracts with each other if you didn't come through with the contract, this guy would post your face in every town in the West with a wanted dead or alive thing under it. Unless there's a guy with a gun, no one's ever gonna no one's ever gonna heed a contract to a sovereign where they are losing. Ideally, a sovereign would be established by the people as part of the contract endowed with the individual powers and wills of all, and authorized to punish anyone who breaks the covenant. You know, a valid contract. Just like you can join a contract and the other person can sue you. 
So as a citizen, the FBI can audit you if you decide not to go along with the whole every year give us a third of your money thing. At least I get protective services like the police. Oh, wait, that's right. They don't show up anymore at this point in the empire. What the fuck are we paying for? A cop's oath is to protect the state and to serve the law. Anything sounding fishy? It says nothing about having to protect a person in harm's way. A police officer has zero legal obligation to protect someone who is in harm's way. I mean, I'm not saying go out and riot or any of this shit because you're just harming your fellow man then, but you should be smart enough to realize that these people aren't on your side. They tricked you with that whole protect and serve thing. If you finish the quote, it's to protect and serve the state. They are there to preserve the empire. They will throw you in a paddy wagon if they have to. Maybe you shouldn't have signed that pesky social contract in the womb. So you're seeing arise the problem of the social contract. If you don't join the sovereign, you are there against your will. And now, you're being oppressed by these people against your will, too. They are your authority. The inherent social contract that governments cite to get your money is basically as valid as the church's contract saying, hey, you were born with original sin. <laughs> so how valid, with a straight face, could you say the argument for original sin is, you are born evil? Well, you're also born owing me money. You're also born uh, owing me a hand job every third Wednesday. You're also born... What the fuck are these, like, divine rules that we are following out here, people? I'm looking at the only immutable truth, which is nature, the Rocky Mountain Range right now. Thomas Hobbes was right. <laughs> I watch Apocalypto lately, and it's talking about the Mayans, like, stealing foragers to sacrifice to the sun god. And at the end, the line they keep repeating is, We return to the forest and seek a new beginning. <laughs> One of these days, people, I'm wandering up into those Rocky Mountains. <laughs> All of these logical fallacies are super obvious when you remove the blur that is the base of civilization over it. I'll give you another one of those examples in a minute because they're fun. Direct Hobbes quote, we got the sovereign. This is a crazy one if you're into Gnostic mythos or anything. The sovereign operates through fear. The threat of punishment reinforces the mandates of the laws of nature. <laughs> the point is that you need the fear to fucking control people. It's like everyone who came to start America as a stockholder was fearless. And so they got to reap the rewards of the land. But now at the point of American corporatization all of the benefits have been privatized for the partners but us the constituents still have to pay into it and buy the shares <laughs> some people have referred to governments as tax farms it's a pretty accurate description when you zoom out enough if someone came up to your baby and you in the hospital fresh new baby and proposed a business deal. They said, hey, for a third of the fruits of your baby's labor, I'm going to offer you a potential retirement plan, which we know is Social Security and is already bankrupt. You know, I'm going to offer your baby a protection plan. All over 20-minute response times from armed guards, non-existent in most urban areas right now. You would obviously say to this psychopath in the infirmary ward, hey, get the fuck away from me and my baby. Never come near us again. For some reason, when it's prevented by Leviathan, the scary sea monster that has the biggest army in the world, everybody just bends over and takes it in the ass, like we're all indoctrinated to from the principal's office. <laughs> Back to the fear-mongering. 
Thomas said, the only way to erect such a common power as may be able to defend them from the injuries of others is to confer all their power and of voices unto one will. We don't have a democracy in America. And I, I just triggered so many people right there. We live in a republic. So if you're saying, this is a threat to our democracy, you don't know very much about political science. If you are relying on one representative voice or one elected voice, even in a democracy, it is kinetics. This man's will and power has been consolidated and it will corrupt in some sort of way. And again, this is what Plato talked about in the Republic, the erection of a sovereign based on fear. The monarchies eventually will crumble backwards from a monarch to an oligarch to a republic it's just cycles man we go back and forth and back and forth am i happy yet no yes the power given to leviathan permits him to do whatever he deems necessary in order to protect the commonwealth just like your representative he's gotten the amount of power where he makes the laws so everything he does is right by law and it doesn't matter because again just like the rebel thing once you acquire the power people honor that power because we're stupid imagine one winter your dad was like there's this new flu strain that infects people less than the flu and it kills less than one percent of people it comes in contact with oh and all those people are just old and they're dying of something else already you know i just read online there are firefighters this is in ohio every time that they come across a dead body in a car wreck they test it for covid who gives a fuck if it comes up positive or negative they're writing it down as a covid death because in ohio you get thirty thousand dollars every time someone dies during a pandemic <laughs> this is a firefighter and he's like what i'm doing is absolutely corrupt and i'm here to save lives not ruin the death records of some right dad flew with less than a one percent death rate i'm gonna stop going to the office and become a hermit and destroy my bank account it's what we did as a country doesn't matter because you are in the contract that you signed at zero years old. Leviathan decides what's a threat to you. <laughs> That's the history of government. The oppression always comes under the guise of protection. We are back in the Third Reich. Yes, the Jews are going to ruin our economy. For your protection, you must support the Third Reich. For your own protection. Do you see how these things always come up? Let's fucking push Leviathan back out into the sea. We are doing a fucking UN person versus a fucking crime boss as our presidential election. This is the stupidest country in the history of the world. <laughs> Crazy times to witness. Instead of these rules of nature, Thomas deduced the rules of Leviathan. Number one was subjects owe him sole loyalty. Sounds a little bit like religion, right? Number two, subjects cannot be freed from their obligation to him. That's radical Islam. Number three, dissenters must yield to the majority in declaring a sovereign. Okay, this is Mormonism now. You get ostracized if you leave. This is literally the cult of government. Four, the sovereign cannot be put to death. All right, <laughs> you're fucking giving yourself immunity. Number five, the sovereign may determine what ideas are acceptable. He is the ultimate judge of philosophical and science first principles and may censor doctrines that are repugnant to peace or ideas that may cause discord within the population. So discord, one of our best tools as human to be able to build rationality, has been taken away from us. You know, in Australia, a conspiratorial thought can be punishable with jail time. 
Okay, For, this is literally thought crime. What the fuck, people? I can't hold it together, man. Sorry. Thought crime is a thing in Australia right now. And you see these articles in the U.S. news saying, Australia's dealment with the virus is a very good model for the United States. No, it's not. We like freedom here. We have a constitution. Please do not lock me up for thought crime. And I'm actually publishing the ideas, so be considered disinformation. Stay under the radar for now. <laughs> you can see how fucking bullshit these things grow and grow as soon as you misuse language. People are lying to each other. The first guy... I want to meet the first guy who lied. The inventor of lying? That guy's more successful than the invention of the wheel, I bet. Imagine they're sitting on the side of a mountain looking at the stars, waiting with their uh, fucking tribe is at the bottom of the hill. And one guy goes to the other. You see that up there? That giant ball of light? It talked to me last night. It told me that you have to let me have sex with your wife. It, it told me that. Otherwise, it's going to rain. This guy, this monkey, was an absolute fucking genius. Man, lying completely changed humanity. It's like a monolith of its own. Being able to fucking... Alright, that's the end of my tirade. How could you not get triggered when talking about Thomas Hobbes' The Social Contract? He said, to end it with a pretty scary quote, Sovereignty is the sea monster leviathan holding you to the current. No one is so fierce that dare stir him up. His teeth are terrible round about. <laughs> his scales are his pride, shut up together as with a closed seal. His breath kindleth coals, and a flame goeth out of his mouth. When he raiseth up himself, they are mighty afraid. Upon earth there is not his like who is made without fear. Fear is the ultimate controller. You'll notice how anxious you were when you turn off the news. If you want to change the world, change yourself. Discipline your emotions. Negate the fear factor. Book number seven, Give Me Liberty? Nah, son, give me freedom. He opens strong on this one, explaining the way the sovereignty was erected is irrelevant once it's there. It's like our badass founding father story means nothing because we didn't uphold the tenets that it was born with. Our first libertarian show that we ever did on this channel was Maury Rothbard's Anatomy of the State. And at the end of it, we did the Bill of Wrongs. <laughs> it was a funny little piece. Literally, if you go over our ten rights that we were given, every single one of them has been infringed on. And the long con of government, they keep infringing and keep going. Donald Trump is a conservative and is supposed to stand with the NRA. Why the fuck did this clown ban bump stocks? He doesn't stand for a political party. <laughs> so just like the rebel thing, which Donald Trump quite is, sovereignty established through force incorporates all the same rights and requirements of a contract. So that's what the social contract is. If you get it by now, you didn't really have to sign anything. It's because this person has power over you, they can impose their will on you. Are we slaves or are we free people? That's the theme of the show today. You might be close to checking off that bingo card now. He made a distinction up here. When the sovereignty... <laughs> he assumed our political classes. When the sovereignty comes to power by institution, it's because people fear each other. This is the Republican rise to power. There's uh, chaos in the streets. We need to pay more people to fucking put us under house arrest. And then when the sovereign comes to power by force, it's because people are scared of the state. And this used to be the Democratic side, you know, you're saying... 
we need to build the federal government so that they can minimize the size of the military industrial complex. They still don't do that. It's fucking Leviathan. It just keeps growing. America started out as the smallest government on earth, and we kept it that way with the Articles of Confederation for a while. And then we fucking sold out, and now we are the biggest bureaucracy the world has ever fucking seen. A lot of F words today. This is an angry episode. <laughs> We're going to get lighthearted next week. He compares contractually sovereignty to power as a parent over its child. You've heard of this uh, comparison before, and it's funny because it's wrong, but your elementary school teachers would always say, well, daddy government, mom, <laughs> that's so dystopian that they would say that even. Big Brother, in an earth of sovereign individuals, governments own their constituents. <laughs> Some people, uh, there's the answer right there. And so his entire point was government works mostly as a motherly figure. If you did have to decide between mom and dad. Like, think about your mom and the neighborhood. Like, she always has to follow what's right, what everybody else is saying, which is the global response to the coronavirus. And then you have the... Sweden, the Nordic countries who did a herd immunity. They just went about their day and the thing peaked and went away. And now we're still counting firefighter deaths as fucking... You see what I'm saying? Like, if you follow the zeitgeist, the mass thought, the mass hysteria at this point, you're just going to keep getting crazier, misuse of language. And then Hobbes' other idea, he entertained the idea for a while, was how nature is the father figure to man nature because if you don't go out there and get your keep you're gonna die there's no <laughs> falsities man there's no loopholes where you could try to make people over on it's truth so the wild west was like the perfect ha parenting household you had just a little bit of both a lot of freedom to make your own mistakes <laughs> and this was one of the bigger points of the chapter Really good quote by Thomas Hobbes. If the sovereign is no longer able to fulfill the functions of protection, the soul has left the body of Leviathan. And this is the same thing as Plato's Republic. They would talk about the soulless city is one that the auxiliary forces have left to fucking eat itself, to cancer out. So our cancer agents, the people who will loot and kill their fellow man are now malignant <laughs> there is no treatment they are literally left to fester and grow there is no longer a function of protection in our urban centers we have soulless cities we are in a greek dystopia right now as a nation objectively when the oligarchy stops protecting its own people the soul has left and you just, uh, if you're really into conspiracies you're hearing about the international community is favoring China now. If every country was a separate club in a city, the club owners know when this isn't the hot club anymore, you take your investments to what's popping. And right now in China, you could get fucking away with literal genocides. There's a holocaust there now. You could do um, human-animal hybrid studies. You could do technology. They have underground light chambers where they're testing all sorts of physics you could that's the spot to be right now not gonna lie china i mean if you're a fucking global elite one of the council of 300 with trillions of dollars <laughs> america's being left to be a zombie country and it's to our own fucking demise can't really blame anybody we have a 200 year old constitution 
I am a retarded 24-year-old comedian, and I write more words than this a year. I write a 365-page book every single year. And we can't touch up the Constitution, even though all of our rights have been infringed on. Leviathan the zombie. Brains, guns, oil, opium. Hobbes obviously didn't live through the 1900s. If he did, he would <laughs> really be laughing about what he warned us all about. The biggest genocides in the world. Russia lost 20 million in World War II. And China over 60 million to Mao Zedong. We're just in the middle of one of these cycles right now. Hobbes said the most free state would be one purely authorized by its subjects. So Aristotle's direct democracy. None of this representative bullshit. This is a really cool one. You you definitely don't know because they wouldn't teach you it. Athens used to vote to abolish their government every single year. If the government wasn't serving its purpose, there was a day, an annual ceremony where you would vote to completely dissolve the government. And now you see senators are like approving their own term limits, prolonging their own life. The power has completely been stripped from every single person. Uh, I've seen online people are talking this election about ranked voting choices, and this could be a really good step in a direction rather than abolishing our government. We could slowly inch back to some sort of freedom. Ranked choice voting, they do it over in those Nordic countries as well, where people are happiest. I don't know. Let's update our 200-year-old software. A true patriot is going to call out his government when it no longer stands for what his forefathers died to erect. We're such pussies, man. We're such fucking pussies. Think about it. Dad, what were you doing when we lost all of our rights and outdoor dining and movie theaters were closed forever? Well, you see, sweetie, it was a, uh, it was a real bad pandemic. I was smoking weed and beating off in the basement with a mask on. <laughs> What are you going to tell your kids? Our fucking patriotic forefathers know when it's their time to die for something. And we are no longer protecting what those men died to erect. It's pretty sad. <laughs> Let's move along. Book 8, The Law is the Law. You've ever seen that meme? The law is the law and we can't change it. <laughs> he discusses specific ones and legal debts of the Leviathan. It only works with worthy counselors. So if you actually had someone who was wise, you know, remember wisdom from before the definition, or someone who was knowledgeable, a Leviathan wouldn't pop up. <laughs> it's the whole Plato's Republic philosopher king thing. Uh, Hobbes was saying, benevolent dictator. If we had a guy who wasn't born into the groveling of man and tainted by our virtues... This guy would say, you guys are fucking each other over. There's so many things you could be doing to benefit the net rather than just the billionaires. Hobbes said the motivations and goals of a counselor must be the same as those of the sovereign or discord will ensue. So are your motivations the same as Donald Trump? Does he really, even your local mayor, local politics are just as corrupt. Your mayor... He doesn't want the same things as you, so it's not going to work to its intended purposes. The worst governments have a plurality of consenting opinions before offering their advice to the sovereign. He was uh, basically subtweeting his own parliament at this point. He's going, <laughs> the worst laws always have the same bipartisan support. Isn't that kind of weird? Why? 
why did the left wing, the people who are supposed to stand for liberty, vote in the Patriot Act? And, you know, it was a time of war. We were about to invade the Middle East. Why did the left wing vote in the Trace Act? <laughs> so now the NSA has a backdoor into all of your fucking files with no warrant needed. Bill Gates, everyone who thinks is going to save you, he sold through Microsoft backdoors to the NSA so they could go through all of your Microsoft video game achievements and all that shit. They're selling our data off, which is more valuable than gold. Imagine you owned your own data and can sell it. You would pay your rent by watching fucking movies. Does that make you hate Bill Gates at least? Am I making a little progress? <laughs> In Washington, D.C., there's a term for this, for a bipartisan guy who will do the trusted thing in a bad situation like there's an opportunity uh the levy breaks in new orleans are you going to use the relief funds to help the people or to pad the senator's pockets the person you can trust they say has steady hands so gross man it's again top versus bottom not left versus right Back to the Philosopher King, Hobbes said those who administer the law must be impartial and decide equitably his conclusions through proper exercise of reason. Go look into judges, like state judges, anybody at a circuit court judge. After they go on their lunch break, they are known to give more lenient sentences. So if you get a judge when he's really hangry, he's not going to be exercising proper reason. This guy's going to slam the gavel a little bit extra hard because he wants his Cheetos. Th that's like Plato's apology. He wrote about how it's better to have a professional, impartial jury of peers rather than just bribable attorneys and judges. You've seen Making a Murder or the OJ trial. Everything's for sale in consumerist America, even decent deals on justice. Hobbes' philosophy shows which many people don't believe for some stupid reason. You're watching too much CNN and riot footage. There is justice without laws and sovereigns. Maybe even more. I've read Sex at Dawn, another anthropological book. It's about how men, we get off. We have a mental reward mechanism for punishing rule breakers. It's natural. You took a little too much meat from the pile, I'm going to break your nose. Women feel better when they keep in line, when they keep the whole system straight, that's, again, why the government is so maternal. It's just trying to keep everybody in order. <laughs> but there is so much habitable order in that chaos. It's natural. The sovereign will always try to enact punishment by you punishing yourself, which is like until you're totally involved in the criminal justice system, they make you volunteer. They make you do something retributive. You got to go meet with the family that you stole from. Hobbes talked about a little crime and punishment here. Retributive punishments are not only ineffective. He said the actions of the sovereign can never be defined as illegal. So if you make the laws, you're never going to break the laws because you're making them. You know, I'm impure. If you have the police badge, you're going to speed. Think the 2008 bank bailout. One trillion tax dollars were used to prop up failing businesses. In the Thunderdome of capitalism, it doesn't say anywhere where corporations are allowed to be bailed out by the government. That's the marketplace of ideas. If you fail, you fail. You don't get to steal from everybody and keep trying. <laughs> it's called corporate socialism. 
Think now how 30% of small businesses in Main Street America are closed. Gone forever. Big banks just got another $2 trillion, and I'm seeing it's upwards of 4 to $5 trillion bailout. That is one-fifth of our uh, what we owe China. The banks just printed it and kept it. And what did you get? Two stimulus checks, if that. There was supposed to be another one in September. What happened there? Hop saw this <laughs> Occupy Wall Street shit. It happened back then. Occupy Hyde Park. The opposite of punishment is reward. So we reward corporations for failing. Something we know about free economies is the higher degree of freedom the more sizable award that you can make. You know, there's more people to make money off of. So the bigger Leviathan is, the bigger Leviathan's going to get because it makes the laws. You can always take your fucking money. Never in human history has restriction produced opulence. <laughs> Yet we're still paying imposts, levies, income taxes, which we're supposed to stop after World War One. He ends it, Leviathan is the origin of the law, not governed by it. Consequently... He can never be punished. Book nine, our second to last, we're getting into our own moral compass. Now that you know the geometric structure of human nature hierarchies, it's time to get a little bit spiritual. Hobbes talking about the prophetical word of God or the elements of Christian faith that cannot be known by reason alone. They have to be obeyed. This is what the government is like. Maybe my brain is too rational. I'm looking for reason in our own government. At some point, you have to have a Christian blind faith towards your government. <laughs> Fuck that. That's how you walk into a concentration camp. Or uh, it'll be told it's an internment camp for COVID to keep you safe. And then you never get to leave. A prophetical word of God. Imagine if uh, your, <laughs> your governor came out for his uh, election speech and he was wearing a... Pope hat. He had an entire uh, ordained fucking robe from a priest and he's in this fancy garb. That would make it a little more apparent how fucking magical the government is that they deserve a third of your wealth. <laughs> Literally, it's only because the cult of Christianity wears such silly costumes that people don't take it as seriously. And so... Even in fucking Russia, how the Tsar used to wear, like, a big silly hat and shit. Russians know to distrust their government. In America, where the guys wear suits, and there's girl power, girls at the top who are trying to, fucking shake it up or whatever. <laughs> Everybody's blind to the mystique. And maybe it's because we're only 200 years in. We are naive as Americans. We don't have the database yet as, yet as a country to know. Whoa, during all of these pandemic, all of these world events, we get fucked over somehow? <laughs> most other uh, countries know this Hobbes said Leviathan's knowledge belief and power must come from the sovereign the kinetic suck of upwards I'm gonna make a Yelp review for the Black Panther call it the kinetic suck he showed how biblical scriptures align with the power structures of sovereignty Look who wrote the Bible, people. It was written by Constantine and his buddies who published it when they were rebuilding the Roman Empire. It wasn't really written by Matt, Luke, Paul, and John. <laughs> Come on, people. Do you think those guys had a printing press? Martin Luther didn't have one until, like, 1500. There's so much cryptic shit in the Bible he's getting into in these last two books. And he's saying the way they describe the Old Testament God, the spiteful 
take your son up to the mountain and kill him for my sacrifice. That's all an allegory for government. You have to sacrifice your own kids. Give me another child to pay taxes for this guy. Buy into the system for one more generation. Fuck off. That's what you have to say at some point. That's what our forefathers in 1776 said to Britain. Fuck off. We're not doing this bureaucratic force anymore. I sailed across an ocean to get away from it. <laughs> and uh, 200 years of dumb people were back in the same position. I'm looking for a new island to start America too. whoever wants to come. <laughs> Hobbes said, The belief that the world is the kingdom of God has been responsible for the double vision of Christian subjects because to believe that both God and the civil sovereign are kings of the world causes divided loyalties. So the one of the biggest mind fucks about Christianity, one of the Ten Commandments, don't worship false idols, is how that works in accordance with government. Like in communist Russia, they didn't have religion. You weren't allowed to praise another god because you praised the state. And it's pretty wild in America how people will fucking be in the cult of Trump at the same time as going to church. All right, well, are you disobeying God or a billionaire with orange hair? Again, I'm looking for rationality when people contradict themselves within four hours of waking up. Adding a layer of nationalism, Hobbes said, is able to manipulate people's moral compasses to two magnetic poles. <laughs> it's fucking poetic and astute as shit. So if you have the North Pole is God and the South Pole is... uh government you will never totally commit yourself to one thing and that's how the government wants you in a state of fear and manipulation where they can always push you towards one degree and we'll get into this psychology a little bit more i read when atheism becomes religion great title written by chris hedges he wrote america the farewell tour one of our shows that did really well this year great author and that's about the binary thinking of religion. You're either this or you're that. You're an oppressor or you're a divinity. You're a saint or you're a devil. <laughs> Life is not that. Especially in the, what do we call this, limbo, the judgment zone between heaven and hell. Here, earth. Life is in the gray. That should be more obvious than anything. He's calling out this blind religion you have to have to believe in the state for it to make sense he's calling out how willingly we play into religion but when we talk about government we say it's tangible truth which is even more dangerous it's easier to fool someone to convince them that they have been fooled so someone who really is gung-ho social progressivism will never understand how willingly they are playing into the the act and it's because they believe it as tangible truth, which we're getting back to the realities. What one truth is not always someone else's. What is two trillion dollars? It's a number in a bank account. At this point in the empire, it's share percentage. What are those called? Market shares like Coke and uh, Pepsi, RC Cola. They have enough money to make their own countries and sovereignties and oppress people. They are only making those numbers as market shares at this point. I own X percent of this and you own zero. It's like the numbers don't even mean shit anymore. You see with uh, universal basic income, it's percent shares at this point of communism that we basically are into. That's how you have to try to view these intangible <laughs> fucking like $5 trillion bailouts. They're not actually keeping track, people. 
a fucking plane hits the Pentagon on 9-11 and a trillion, one trillion dollars in war debt disappears. Oh, yeah, 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 that makes sense. That's a tangible truth. Hobbs is hitting on some heavy philosophy right now. He's getting a little too loud for the English Empire. I have composed what is called the Grim Generality. This is one of my hypotheses. Yes, I'm toking on my tobacco pipe. The Grim Generality. People love to believe in fairy tales, romantic comedies, Air Bud. It's a feel-good story. This golden retriever can dunk a basketball. A hundred years ago, before TV, children were read the grim fairy tales. They grew up with an expectation that there was a predator wolf watching you in the woods, some creepy old lady that was going to lure you and your sister into her house, feed you candy, and then shove you in an oven. What do you think in 2020, Jeffrey Epstein, all these fucking child sex traffickers getting caught up? What do you think is more realistic, the grim realities of life or Air Bud and SpongeBob? Why do you think we have fucking a third of people on antidepressants and the highest suicide rate with the most wealth in human history? It's because we feed all these kids these fake realities. It's the grim generality. (laughs) Hobbes would not have been surprised when he saw Kite Runner on school curriculums instead of Leviathan as mandatory reading. He ends book nine saying, if we all want to live in reality, you got to separate church from state. (laughs) Again, the founding fathers were like, we're definitely going to do that. And he said staying sober in daily life. And (laughs) they had a bit of a mead epidemic back in England at the time. Water was dysenterious, so everybody was drinking beer. He's like, can we stop drinking and try to think rationally for a minute? (laughs) You got to imagine the distraught that this guy was in living amongst those people anyone else think is weird with all the signs in 2020 you can buy a handle of Everclear anywhere and kill yourself from drinking but I can't buy an eighth of weed (laughs) Leviathan is tangibly true (laughs) again this is where the founding fathers got their ideas many of which had their own pot farms they said to separate the state from the people Theology is always subject to rational philosophy. The story of God was made up by man. Remember that. Always remember that. The British Empire doesn't like the layman having that realization. And that takes us to book 10, a really cheerful ending, the kingdom of darkness. (laughs) The Bible predicts a judgment day and apocalypse are going to happen before Jesus' return, which is Satan's army is supposed to rise from hell and... (laughs) And, you know, they fight the Jesuses, uh, fucking angels and all that. (laughs) But it coincides with Hobbes' geometric truth and the unsustainable growth of Leviathan. Again, the Bible is symbolic. I don't actually believe there's going to be giant hoofed beasts. And, like, uh, what was that? This is the end of 50-foot-tall Satan with a 20-foot dick walking around. (laughs) It's all symbolic. He says at the end here, people who use the spirits and demonic senses of the Bible in literal sense to scare people are completely unethical. And so, like, that's what priests used to do. The priest in the village was the only guy who knew how to read, and that's why they gave him the Bible. They're like, what does this shit mean? And so he would make up shit so he could bang everybody's wife. Does that not sound like what our bureaucrats are doing with this virus? They're not telling you to go outside, backing up, strengthen your immune system, (laughs) They're telling you to do things that'll kill you. They're manipulating the science for their own good. 
This is a new system, especially in this new scientism, the religion of science. Coincides pretty well with the religion of government. Hobbes called um, the Bible an allegory for decay. He called the sovereign a confederacy of deceivers that to obtain dominion over men in the present world, endeavored by dark and erroneous doctrines to extinguish them the light both of nature and of the gospel. Some cryptic shit. There's layers there. If you're into, again, those mythos about <laughs> the fucking moon being a fear magnet and it sucks up all your power or any of that really deep shit, the Bible coincides with that too. And it coincides with the government being able to control you with your fear. Whoever wrote the Bible, not Constantine's goons, whoever wrote that fucking Bible might have been chilling with the first liar up on the mountain. <laughs> Those guys are awesome. I'm going to have to do Nick's nonfiction, The Bible, one day, but I'm looking for the right transcription. So Thomas Hobbes just like the misuses of language, which could save the, the deterioration of America at the moment. He had deteriorations of faith. Number one was errors resulting from the misinterpretation of Scripture concerning the kingdom of God. So again, like that crazy guy reading the Scripture wrong is a misuse of the Bible. Number two, the belief that the kingdom of God is the present church. So he's, again, settling for a false idol. Number three, the belief that the Pope is the Vicar General Christ. So he's straight up calling people out right now. Number four, the belief that clergy are specially appointed over the Christianity. Lady with privileged knowledge of divine wealth. <laughs> he's going more Buddhist or Judaist, saying Judaist. We don't know shit. Even the clergy doesn't know shit, he said. Going all the way back to book one, beautiful read full circle. The point is, if your foundational knowledge of human action and what motivates us is skewed, your geometric structure of reality is going to be unstable. You don't, you're going to be worshipping the false tangible truths of the government or false idols up in the sky that some dead guy made up for you. Read the Bible for what it actually is and says you're not allowed to charge people interest on their loans. It's all out there for us. We just got to start opening our eyes a little bit more. The Bible holds all these stories of Leviathan from opulence to decay of the laymen, from floods to famines. The Bible itself is a double-edged sword for rulers. You can control millions of 30 percenters of dumb people by saying, God hates when you have orgasms, give me a third of your money, and they'll do it. <laughs> but then for the critical thinkers, the Bible accounts thousands of years of government oppression and debt ponage that Jesus was crucified for blowing the whistle on. Another repeating story, as Julian Assange, they're putting stories out saying he's going to kill himself. He has said before in his publications he's not suicidal. We're seeing a little Jeffrey's Epstein. It's picking up pace that repeats itself every year on the year now. Thomas Hobbes, man, he lost his tongue. He went outside the church and the monarch to publish these ten books for us. He gave up his God-given craft of writing. He's pretty fucking good at it. He was not allowed to do it anymore because he needed to get this truth out there at a time where his brothers were murdering each other. It could happen again. It will happen again if we don't all take mushrooms and wake up. <laughs> we uh, could seriously revamp the education system where it isn't this vitalism. <laughs> it could really be 
a 21st century philosophy where we're bettering ourselves. This book hit really close to the truth, too close to the truth where he had to leave his country. He concluded saying, I know this won't stop the brothers fighting in the English Civil War, but the arguments are irrefutable and will withstand the test of time. For such truth, as opposeth no man's profit nor pleasure, is to all men welcome. Learn from those who will give their life to give you truth, not those who stand to make a tax dollar or a tithe off of you. That's about all for Thomas Hobbes Leviathan. Thank you guys for staying tuned and bettering yourself. You are a philosopher king now. Having listened to this book, I would say if I had to suggest three books to people, this would definitely be one of them. It really is. From beginning to end, a masterpiece, a magnum opus. Thank you, Thomas Hobbes. Maybe we'll see you in the near future, not in the way of Leviathan. Let's all collectively send that slimy fuck back into the sea. Next time on the show, ladies and gentlemen, we are creeping up towards election season in just one week. We are keeping in the theme. We are going towards Nathaniel Hawthorne and his legendary book, The Scarlet Letter. That is right, ladies and gentlemen, keeping the old English vibe going going to be easier listening than today definitely more opportunities for me to slip a joke in this was a more serious episode but that's what we do here people we learn we laugh we live we are going to be discussing hester prin the original whore she was slut shamed all the way into the forest during the time of the witch trials there was ergot in the water people would trip in their sacks off chaos ensues that's going to be next week the scarlet letter nathaniel hawthorne thank you once again thomas hobbs for writing shit that could be saving the decaying world we're gonna watch it fall to one piece at a time one week at a time i'll see you guys next time the commune is here peace